are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Now, you know we've come to the very heart of the heart of the gospel, and the heart of your trouble is your heart. Don't forget that. It's not your hands, it's not your feet, it's not your head, but if you get your heart right, the rest of you will get right. And so I call your attention, first of all, to Ephesians chapter 2. We preached on this the other night. I simply give you just a portion of this chapter, and we'll come in just a moment to the very heart of the message. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, verse 8, chapter 2, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now let's run back to the book of Romans, chapter 11 and verse 6. Now this states the issue tonight. There never has been but two ways, that's all. It's the way of man and the way of God. It's the way of works and it's the way of righteousness. Never has been but two. Religion starts on the outside, never gets to the inside. God starts on the inside and works toward the outside. Grace is an inside worker because sin is an inside problem. And so, here he's saying, it's completely and altogether by grace, or it's altogether by works. And I believe that. I do not believe that grace and works will mix. I do not believe that works brings about grace, but I believe the right kind of grace and experience of grace will bring about works. And so, in this verse, verse 6 of the 11th chapter of the book of Romans, and if by grace, or why, why if by grace, we just read the verse while ago, said by grace, for by grace ye are saved. So we got that established, haven't we? You're saved by grace. Now, I know a lot of people say they're saved by grace. They don't know what grace is. The kind of grace I'm talking about does the saving and does the keeping. The kind of grace I'm talking about puts a man to work for the Lord. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so he said, if by grace, then is it no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Turn to the book of Acts, please. Chapter 15. Acts, chapter 15, and verse 11. We believe, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved. 
we shall be saved through the grace. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 4. The Bible's talking about Abraham. He said, what did he find out? What did he find out? What has Abraham found out as pertaining to the flesh? What did he find out? Well, he said, verse 2, if Abraham were justified by work, he hath were of the glory, but not before God. So what says the scripture? Abraham believed God. That's Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. You remember the verse last night when we preached on faith? By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should after receive as an inheritance or for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, as with him also the same promise. For he looked for a city. He looked for a city, which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now then, He's talking about Abraham. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, I want to illustrate that. I see my good friend Brother Nichols, I believe, here tonight. My watchman at Taylor Brothers. He and his dear wife and family have been my friends through many years. And uh, I meant to take this watch to you yesterday, but I ran into Jack at the door. And uh, this little uh, this little key I fit in there to hold the band on slipped out. And he said, that, you know, I'm an old watchman myself. Let me fix it. So I never did get over to you. But uh, he takes good care of me. And my watches. This is Akatron. Uh, they tell me that uh, Bullivus spent millions of dollars learning how to make and perfect that watch. That watch doesn't have any mainspring in it. It has a little motor, just a little engine, I guess, what you call it. <laughs> and it just got a little humming sound. It just hums all the time. You don't have to wind it. You don't have to shake it. It just runs, and it'll run for one year. And I mean, it'll never miss a second. I've never found one of these watches to miss uh, not a half a minute in a year. I mean, that's an Akatron. Now, I'm not advertising watches tonight, uh, but uh, this watch is an unusual watch. But I want to illustrate something now. What did he say? He said, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. And so, my friend Brother Nichols said, Brother uh, Olaf, I'd like to give you the finest watch that's made, and, and from the cost of them, it, it, that could be sold. But uh, nevertheless, he said, I'd like to give you a watch. And I said, all right, what watch would you like to give me? He said, I'd like to give you the very best, band and all. And so I said, all right, if it won't strain you up too much. And he said, no, and he puts it on the arm. He said, now then, come back a year from now, and I'm going to put you another battery in that watch. I said, all right, I'll be back. But um, uh, that was on uh, July 1st. And on August the 1st, I got one of them little looking glass letters from him. You know one of those little things you see through? 
And I said, well, I was looking, you know, to get a little deal said, Akatron, 175 or 200 or, you know, whatever it is, and then paid in full by Brother Nichols. No, it wasn't it at all. It said, um, Bill to L.L. Roar, Akatron, one Akatron, $200. And I looked at that and, uh, seemed like my watch didn't sing as pretty as it did. <laughs> I said, that's, that's strange. I thought he, huh? He really didn't give it to me, did he? Now this is just an illustration, you see. Alright. Same thing with salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The wages of sin is death, but the GIF, the gift of God, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if God said, I'm going to give you eternal life, am I going to get a bill for it? Oh, you'd say, what about the verse that says, work out your salvation? Sure it does. Philippians chapter 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. How can you work something out? I heard an old farmer talking. He's trying to explain that. He said, you can't work your tater patch out till you got one. And you can't work your salvation out till you have it. <laughs> well, if you'd like to look at that verse, it's found over in Philippians. And it'll be uh, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now, I left a little word out of there, and I've got to put it in because you'll understand it better. Work out your salvation. That's not all of it. Work out your own salvation. Brother, it's a personal matter. Work it out. For it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll just stop and visit Brother Paul a moment. He's in a big meeting somewhere, and they just asked him to give his testimony. And so Brother Paul said, I'm delighted. In fact, this one time, you know, he said, I count myself happy to have the privilege of talking to all of you people. And uh, here he's given his testimony. And in verse 10, and I think it'd be well to read verse 9, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the smallest apostle there is. Not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but I like this. Brother, he said, I still got a testimony. I feel like I'm the least of all the apostles, not even worthy to be called one, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He didn't say by my religion, I am what I am, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed, that's given, upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Turn, please, to Second Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, 
We do you to wit our witness of the grace of God bestowed, whereabouts on the churches of Macedonia. That's the reason I love the church. If it's the kind of church, there ought to be a big heap of grace around there. Grace bestowed on the churches. Manifold wisdom on the churches. That's the reason I resent anybody in the world trying to run the church except God's people. They have no right to tell the church what to do because God gave the church the grace of God and the manifold wisdom of God. And any church that doesn't have it is living beneath its privileges. I'm so ashamed of these little man-made churches. Preacher get up and said, Brethren, what is your desire? What will thou have me to do? Well, that's not for him to ask the brethren. He ought to ask God that and then do it. Whether they like it or don't like it. But I'll tell you something else. The spiritual people like it every time. They're hungry for it. And so the preachers to tell the people. All right? Now then, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Brother, that's coming from... Poverty to tremendous riches, even though he went from tremendous riches to tremendous poverty. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Oh, if somehow we could get a hold of these verses right here. To me, this is the heart of living by grace through faith. Beginning at verse 11, Titus 2.11 for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. We're about in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purify himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Thing, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Now get something straight. When you're saved by grace, grace is the teacher that tells you that you're not to live in sin anymore. You'll deny ungodliness and worldly lust, and you'll live soberly, you'll live righteously, and grace is the only teacher and the only helper that can make you do that. Listen, salvation by grace is not a license to sin, but a license to serve. Did you know nobody ever serves the Lord until they're saved by grace? You can try all you want to, and we're going to come to that bunch of crack doctors in a little bit. That's going to waste a lot of time and a lot of money. Let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 2. It'll be our last verse, I believe, and we'll have time for chapter 2 of the book of Hebrews. <laughs> Verse 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now then, I'm the sinner. I'm sick unto death. I was stillborn spiritually. So were you. 
You know what a stillborn is? You know what a stillbirth is? That means you were born dead. <coughs> I was born dead. The Bible said, you had the quicken who were dead. Where'd you get dead when I was born? I was born dead spiritually. This is the very heart of the need for grace right here. Nobody was born good or alive. They were born dead in sin. And they live in sin. And there's no other way to live except in sin until you're born again. All right, I'm the sinner. I realize there's something wrong with me. And so I say to my neighbor, I'm ailing. I need help. I wonder what can be done. Well, he said, uh, I recommend an old doctor. He, he's unusual. He's tough. He's hard. He's hated. But he's been in practice a long, long time. I recommend that you go to him. His offices won't look too good, and you won't think he's much of a modern doctor. But I recommend that you go to him. I said, where's his office? He told me. I went down to see Dr. Law. I said to the little nurse, I'd like to see Dr. Law. As he in, said, he's always in. He's waiting for you now. I walked in. Not too much formality about Dr. Law. He looked at me. He said, you have serious trouble. And I said, how do you know? He said, I can tell by looking at you. I said, what do you think's wrong with me? He said, I don't think I know. You have heart trouble. I said, you haven't even examined my heart. And like any old sinner, I began to get mad. And he ruffled my feathers the wrong way. I said, let me tell you. Dr. Law, you've never seen me before, and you diagnosed my case by just one brief glance. And I said, I'm here to tell you, I'm having trouble with my feet. They've been carrying me to the dance hall, and I've been dancing, and they've been carrying me to the liquor store, and I'm having trouble with these hands. He said, it's not your hands, it's your heart. I said, I've been having trouble with these eyes. These eyes have been watching television till 12 and 1 o'clock at night, and I couldn't get enough rest to go to sleep, and my wife's just as bad as I am, and I'm, I need some help with these eyes. He said, no, it's not eye trouble you're having. You don't need an optometrist. You need a heart specialist. I said to him, I'm having trouble with this old tongue. Ah, listen. That old tongue spits out oaths and dirty jokes and it criticizes and it cuts people to pieces. He said, it's not your tongue, it's your heart. Well, immediately I fell out with him. I said, I don't even like your attitude. I said, you seem plumb egotistical. He said, no, I just know what's wrong with you. Well, I said, I'll tell you one thing. You're wrong about it, and I'm not going to pay any attention to you. And there are other doctors in this town, and I'm, he said, yeah, the woods are full of them. And when you make your rounds and won't get real help, come on back. I said, I'll never be back. Isn't that just like a sinner? That I'll never be back. And you know where I went, don't you? I went to Dr. Religion. That's where most people go when they get in trouble. Dr. Religion. Oh, yes. 
I went in and he had the plush office and neon signs were flashing and he had nurses all around and I tell you, we just looked like uh, had really run into a tremendous doctor, doctor religion. And so, he had some assistance. And he said, I'd like for you to go see Dr. Not-So-Bad. Well, I said, all right, that sounds pretty good to me. So I go into the office and Dr. Not-So-Bad said, I don't really think you're so bad. I see nothing seriously wrong with you. Well, I said, I like that. I feel better already. Yes, sir. Not so bad, doctor. And then after work, you know what the sinner says? I'm not so bad. I've never killed anybody. I take care of my wife and my children. I'm not so bad. But that old doctor's a quack. And you'll never get well going to doctor not so bad. In a little while I found out that he'd failed and I went back to doctor religion. And he said, you know, I think the way you look, you told me every time you're not feeling that uh, just right. I'd like for you to go to doctor feeling good. He's one of my newest doctors and... He, he's just got the latest training there is. And I think if you go in there, you'll start feeling better right away. So I went to the doctor, feeling good. And he ran me through his little simple tests, and I got nowhere, but I wasn't feeling any better. <laughs> I go back to Dr. Religion, and he said, I'll tell you what I believe. I've got a doctor over here in a very lovely office. Oh, doctor, I tried. And I go into doctor, I tried, and he said, I don't think you're trying. I said, well, tell me how to try. But that didn't work either. And yet people are trying. You ever heard anybody say, I said to him, are you a Christian? He said, I'm trying to be. I'm, he said, I'm working at it, working at it. You never get saved like that. I go back to Dr. Religion, he sends me into Dr. Do Good, and he tells me, just to do good. And this world's full of these do-gooders, you know, but they don't do good. Nobody can do good without God. He sent me to Dr. Be Better and do better, but I couldn't because I had a bad heart. Oh, Dr. Religion, finally... He's getting a little discouraged with me. And um, he said to me, I've got a, a doctor in here in an office. I have a tremendous staff. I said, yeah, I noticed that. I've about been to all of my. He said, there's one that you haven't been to. I'd like you to go visit Dr. I join. <laughs> so I go in there and a big sign says, Dr. I join. <laughs> And I go into him and he said, now, I don't care how many doctors you've been to, if Dr. Religion sent you in here, I must have the answer for you. And uh, I want you to start the church. Well, I said, which one? Oh, it doesn't make a lot of difference. The church of your choice. The one that's convenient to get to. 
The one that has a nice young people's program. You know, you have children, and they'll need to play. I said, yes, I, I sure do, and I'll do it. And so I, I go to the church, and I visit a few times, and I'm not any better. And I go back to old Dr. I joined. He said, uh, you're not feeling any better? I said, no. Well, said, did you join? I said, no, I didn't join. He said, you're supposed to join. He said, that's my name. I joined. And said, I want you to join. You. And you know what happened, don't you? I did just like old sinners. I joined the church. He told me I had to work at it, take a job in the church, and I took all the jobs they'd give me. And finally, despair of everything in the day. Brother, try all that bunch of quacks you want to, and crack pots you want to. You'll never get better by what you can do. I wrote a little track one time. It's not due. It's done. I mean, Christ has already paid the debt. It's finished, he said, on the cross of Calvary. And so, like other sinners, I grew weary in trying to do better, be better, improve a little. I joined everything in town, every club that'd have me, and the church went to work. I was still in great difficulty, in great difficulty. And then, in despair, I struggled home day after day. I'd been to church, fell down on the divan, and my good neighbor rang my doorbell. I said, well, there he is again. I hope he doesn't tell me to go back to that old crazy doctor and doctor law. My neighbor comes in, had a smile on his face, song in his heart. And he seemed like he was just getting along so fine. And uh, he said, uh, Mr. Roloff, how are you? And I said, terrible. I said, I've run to every doctor in town. I've tried them all. He said, I did too. He said, when will you be willing to go back to Dr. Law? I said, never. Oh, he's going to holler. It's heart trouble. And he had no beans about my heart. And I'm not going back to it. But my neighbor looked at me as straight as anybody ever looked at me and said, let me tell you something. If you want to get well, you'll go to Because he knows exactly what's wrong with you. He told me the same thing. And if you go back and listen to him and do what he tells you to do, you'll be as happy as I am come in the morning. And I said, I'm not going to do it. The flesh dies hard, doesn't it? Oh, how stubborn we are. How satisfied we try to be on what we do, but it won't work. And so, he said, I'll be praying for you. I realize you're a very sick man. I sat around there for a while, walked the floor, worked in the backyard a little bit, talked to my wife, made some calls. But I knew I was sick under death. And the more the doctors I went to see, the sicker I got. And I finally just forgot my pride, put my hat on, and started toward Dr. Law's office. And every step I took was a step toward victory. I walked up to that office humiliated, discouraged, 
The little nurse said, you're back again. I said, yes. Don't like it, but here I am. Ah, she said, there's a better day for you. I said, is Dr. Law here? Kind of hoping he wasn't. Oh, yes, he's always here. He's waiting for you now. And so I walked in. Dr. Law just glanced over. Same old heart patient. Brother, you got to get your case diagnosed right before you can get the right cure. And if you're a sinner here tonight, there's just one thing wrong with you and you got heart trouble. And it's going to take more than water up in that baptistry to wash your sins away. And it's going to take more than joining the church and doing good. You're going to have to come to Dr. Law. Dr. Law said, you might as well face it. You've made your rounds, haven't you? And I said, yes, I have. Are you feeling any better? And I said, to tell the truth, I am not. Have you been able to do better or be good? I said, no. I don't mean to tell you I told you so, but I knew it happened just like that. Are you ready? I said, all right. You say I have heart trouble. Then what's the next step? You're going to have to have major heart surgery. In fact, there's a heart transplant. Well, I said, Dr. Law, sweat began to pop out. I said, that's serious. He said, I know it is. It really is. But he said, I tell you, you're either going to get to your hand heart transplant or either you're done for. And I said, if there's no other choice, when do you want to operate? Oh, Dr. Law looked at me and said, I don't operate. I said, you don't operate and tell me I've got to have an operation? He said, that's right. I simply diagnosed the case. I said, then I still am condemned to die. Is that right? He said, until you get to my friend across the hall. I'd like to recommend to you and lead you to his door. A doctor who never lost a case or made a charge and has been performing heart transplants for ages. And with all the sweat rolling off of my chin, poor old weak trembling sinner, I followed old Dr. Law. He just, and somebody said, come in. And then the door opened. Dr. Law said, Dr. Grace, I present to you Lester Law. He's in horrible shape. His heart is rotten. He's gone apart from an operation from you. And Dr. Grace looked at me and smiled and said, Come on in. I'm ready for you now. I only operate now. That's my only time schedule. Oh, I said, no, Dr. Grace, tomorrow. He said, I never operate tomorrow. I said, I wish you'd have done it yesterday. He said, I don't operate yesterday. It's always today, and now's the time I start cutting. Are you ready? Well, I said, no. I said, uh, I said where's Dr. Law? Well, he said, he's gone. I said, he's gone. Couldn't he help you? He said, 
I don't need him here. I said, where are your nurses? He said, I don't have any nurses. I do it all by myself. I said, call my wife and, and tell her to come and sit here while you... I said, no, this is a very personal operation. Nobody will be present but just me and you. No, I said, and I was sick on the bed and getting worse by the second. I said, Dr. Grace, I guess I'm ready, but I sure want you to give me a good deep anesthetic. Oh, no, he said. I've never given anesthetic. I want you to know exactly what's taking place. I want you to have an experience you can tell about. Mm. And I said, Dr. Grace, I'm ready. And I fall back on his old operating table by faith. And he reaches down and gets his knife and makes an incision through the heart section and, oh, what a smell. My, I said, where is that horrible smell coming? He said, that's coming out of your heart. Well, I said, I did have heart trouble. Oh, yes, he said, that's where that profanity's been coming from. That's where those old filthy jokes. That's your self-fooled sin. That's reading has got to come out. All of it's got to come out. I'm taking the whole thing out. I said, oh, me. <laughs> I forgot to ask you, where am I going to get another heart? He said, uh, a friend of yours. Has provided one for you. Oh, I said, I'd like to meet him. Well, he said, it'll be a wonderful heart. And said, you'll get to meet him after the operation. He reached down and took that old dirty, cursed, lusting, filthy, fleshly heart out. Oh, how sick I was when that old heart came by my nose. And he threw it away. That's what's wrong with you little girls without Christ right now. That's makes you shoot dope. That's the reason you run off from your mother and daddy. Live in the, in the hippie hives and don't die. You've got a bad heart. And you'll never be in the difference if your heart's changed. That goes for every man and woman in Corpus Christi, Texas and around the earth. The operation is over. The incision is closed. And I'm breathing better. And the doctor said, you know, your eyes are brighter. There's color coming back in your cheeks. And I said, yeah, there's strength in my voice. And I want to thank you. My, I've never felt like this before. He said, I know it. And I said, now then, give me some information. When do you want me to come back for a checkup? Oh, he said, no checkup is necessary. This is permanent. When I do the job, it's done. And this will last throughout eternity. My, I said, isn't that wonderful? I said, do you have any suggestion? And he said, yes, I'd suggest some good exercises. I said, for instance, well, he said, I believe I'd walk down the street and knock on doors. And tell about Dr. Law and Dr. Grace. I believe I'd go tell what Dr. Grace did for you when he operated and took that old heart out. I said, I'll, I said, are there any other exercise? Yes, he said, I believe it would be good 
to take some kneeling exercises like this. Get down and thank God for what he's done for you. That's good exercise. And praise the Lord for all that he's done uh, for the new heart that was given to you. And I said, Amen. And so I started out at the door. I said, wait a minute. I, I was supposed to meet my friend who gave me this heart. And he said, yes. Dr. Grace said to Jesus, would you come in, please? And Jesus came in, and when his robe fell aside, I saw a piercing place and a scar here. He smiled at me. He said, I'm glad I got to give you my heart. Mm. And I said, I believe I'll start my exercises right now. Amen. And brother, I believe my hands ought to go up to Jesus for taking that old ugly, stinking, sinful, filthy heart and giving me a heart like his that made me love everybody. Yes, I've introduced you tonight to the two great doctors. Dr. Law tells you what's wrong with you and what you've got to have and Dr. Grace comes along to give you a new heart perform the operation and make you every whole. The most wonderful thing I've ever found in all of my life is the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that none of you says, it's the gift of God, not a work, lest any man should boast. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.